We know that you want to build your family on the right foundation from the very start, the foundation of Jesus Christ. Concordia Publishing House offers more than 8,000 products for churches, schools, and homes, dedicated customer service, and an experienced staff to help you focus on what matters most. Click to connect at cph.org. Concordia Publishing House, listening, responding, providing for God's people. Concordia Publishing House, cph.org. Christ calling me a new figure Repent He's calling me a new figure Repent now He will give a new life We tend to think about it as what? It's like taking a shower or filling up the gas tank. You do it when you need to. So uh, if I've if I've uh, not exerted myself very much today, maybe I'll skip the shower, save a little on the water bill, and I'll, I'll take a shower tomorrow. After all, I'm running behind because it's, it's not really absolutely necessary. This morning I was down installing a sump pump in my basin. It was necessary for me to take a shower before coming into work. So I got myself dirty. I'm going to clean myself off. Or like filling up the gas tank. Why fill it up until I need to fill it up? It's at three quarters. I'm still doing well. Is that how you think about repentance? And if you do, I guess it does make sense that you wouldn't think of repentance as part of your daily Christian devotion. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Pastor Brian Wolfmiller is our guest. Part eight of our series on Christian devotion today. We're going to talk about daily repentance. He's pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado, co-host of a weekly radio talk show called Table Talk Radio and author of the new book, The Devotional Challenge Book. Brian, welcome back. Thank you, Todd. Do you think many people omit repentance from their daily devotions because they have a mistaken idea about what repentance really is. Yeah, I do. I and and a kind of a double mistaken idea. There is the um the American evangelical idea that repentance is really a one-time thing or this sort of life-changing moment. It's 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 um it's it's when the Holy Spirit comes and grabs a hold of you and shakes you up and you dedicate your life to Christ. You turn around, you make a you make a decision, you dedicate your life to him, you accept Jesus into your heart. That repentance is this big monumental thing that you write down uh, in the back of your Gideon Bible that says the day that I dedicated my life to Christ. And so th- this happens once or twice or just a handful of times in a lifetime. Uh, so that's the first misunderstanding. But then if we dial it back a little bit and understand that that we ought to be repenting more often, we still have the mistake of that, that repentance is, um, is the result of my sin. Now, we don't want to diminish this. We want to make it more than this. It is at least this. But the idea is, well, when I make a big mistake, uh, that's when I go and I, re- I repent, intentionally letting the Lord know that I'm sorry for the thing that I've done. So repentance is an um, is our reaction to our own sin. But what I think we'll suggest today, uh, as we think about our devotional life of repentance, is that repentance is not chiefly a reaction to our sin, but in fact chiefly a reaction to the Lord's Word, or even better, it is chiefly the thing that the Lord is producing in us when He brings His Word to us. So I guess the best way to come at this is to define repentance biblically. And you say, and this is classic Lutheran theology, it's built in, so to speak. What is repentance? Of what does repentance consist? Yeah, it, it is this, that the uh, two parts, uh, first, contrition, and second, faith. I, I want it, I'd really like to um, 
have it on my tombstone when I die. Here's Brian Wolfmuller, who taught that repentance has two parts, contrition and faith. I mean, really, that's the sum of the evangelical message, that, that we are sorry for our sins and that we believe that Christ has died for our sins. The, 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 that, the, that being the definition of repentance, contrition and faith, like you said, is baked in to our Lutheran doctrine. Now, we, we, it's helpful maybe to contrast it, what we normally think of as of repentance. The normal definition that we hear of repentance is turning, so that I, I, I'm, I'm going this sinful way, and then I quit doing my sinful stuff, and I start going the righteous way of keeping God's commandments. But that's confusing repentance with the fruit of repentance. The fruit or result of repentance is a life of good works and service to God and the neighbor. But that's, again, what the Scripture calls the fruit of repentance, not repentance itself. Repentance is the contrition worked by the Holy Spirit through the law and faith worked by the Holy Spirit through the word of the gospel. All right, and that's so important to maintain because I think most people are thinking of repentance purely in the, I'm going to call it the existential way, and that is how I feel about what I've done what I've said, what I've thought. And they they want their Christian devotion to be authentic. So if I'm not feeling it, Pastor Wolf Miller, why why would I be repenting? Yeah, that's right. I mean, feelings are important, but I, I, I want to suggest something. I, we were working on this uh, with the pastors in South Dakota just the, the first part of this week that, you know, w- one of the classic distinctions that we make in our theology is the distinction between the magisterial use of reason and the ministerial use of reason. We say that the, our reason as a gift from God ought to be a minister or servant to the scriptures. That's the, so we use our reason to get to the text. The danger is when we let our reason rule over the text and it, and we have a magisterial use of reason. And so our reason looks at the text and says, this is my body, doesn't make sense, it can't be true. Or it looks at something and doesn't like what it says. And now we dismiss that part of the scripture. Well, I, I would like to suggest, Todd, that, that we can make the same mistake with our emotions. We ought to have a ministerial use of our emotions, not a magisterial use of emotions, so that our emotions are there in service to the text, but not to lord over the text. So when the scripture comes and points out our sinfulness and points out our uh, how we are the enemies of God and shows to us our own failures, not just in who we are, but also in the things that we've done, how we should have loved God and we should have loved our neighbor and we failed to do it, our feelings should serve that word by being sorry for it, by feeling bad about it. But if our feelings don't feel bad, then that doesn't mean we're not sinners. Or, or if, our feeling, if our feelings refuse to be comforted, that doesn't mean that the gospel's not true. So that our feelings have to come under the dominion of the Lord's word and not come stand above the Lord's word to tell us what's true. This is basically kind of what it means to be a pastor. People come and they say, hey, pastor, I, I really don't feel close to God. And we have to say, well, well, so what? I mean, did God promise that he was never going to leave you or forsake you? Yeah, he did. And does God lie? No, he doesn't. So, so that is true, that you are not forsaken by God, even though you might feel like it. Your feelings are lying to you. So we want to let our feelings come along in service to the truth of the Lord's word, in service to preaching and law and gospel, but never over and above law and gospel to tell us really what's true or not. I want you to deal with another uh, mistaken idea here before we talk a little more in depth about both repentance and what you mentioned before, the fruit of repentance. 
And that is someone says, look, I do my, my daily devotions when I get up in the morning. I just woke up, Pastor Wolf Miller. I haven't really done any. I know I'm still a sinner, and, yeah. but I haven't, I haven't talked to anybody. I haven't done anything. There's not much to repent of at, at that early hour. Maybe I should wait until I go to bed at night when I've got a kind of, you know, a backlog of sin to, to deal with here. How would you respond to that? Yeah, there, I mean, there's something to that. It, Luther teaches us in the, in the morning prayer, when we wake up, we pray, may all my doings and life be pleasing to you. And when we go to bed at night, we say, forgive us of our trespasses. So in the morning, we're kind of looking ahead and praying that the Lord would bless us with good works. At the night, we're looking back and praying that the Lord would overlook our sins. And, and that, that actually teaches us something very important. I mean, the, the, it's the law for looking forward and the gospel for looking backwards. When we look forward to what's coming up, we will always want to look at our future through the lens of the law and the Lord's instruction. And then when we look back at our own failures and sins, we want to look at that through the the lens of the gospel, the, the Lord's mercy and kindness. The devil always wants to reverse it. He wants us to, to look at the temptation in front of us through the lens of the gospel and the sins behind us through the lens of the law to, to excuse us and to, and to condemn us. And so we don't want to get that confusion. But really, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said repent, he willed that our entire lives would be lives of repentance. That every day we take up our cross and follow Jesus. And, and really, whenever the Holy Spirit is engaging us, us sinners who are baptized and forgiven, whenever the Holy Spirit is engaging us with God's word of law and gospel, the result is going to be repentance, worked by the Spirit through the word. So one more. What if I can't think of anything? I'm sitting at my devotional table. I've done my scripture readings. I've had my psalmody there have been the prayers that you've been talking about in the course of this series. And, and I have even prayed the Lord's Prayer for, for forgive me my trespasses. Uh, but I, nothing's coming to mind. <laughs> well, you could ask your wife. That's always an option. <laughs> I mean, it's true. We don't want uh, to make um, the, the, uh, the listing of our sins a torture of conscience. This is what one of the great things that the Lutheran reformers um, were able to rescue the church from coming out of the um, the Middle Ages and the Catholic um, the practice of penance. We, we, we are not torturing ourselves. If, if you're sitting there and thinking of the Ten Commandments and looking at the text and there's nothing that's 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 pricking your conscience or troubling your uh, troubling your mind, then we, we don't have to go and torture ourselves to, to sort it out. We confess always our sins, forgive us our trespasses. Uh, even Psalm 19, uh, forgive us of our hidden faults, uh, which is an important thing that we don't know the fullness of our own sinfulness. And really, this is part of what the Scripture is doing. It's, it's teaching us to think rightly of ourselves, which is to know of ourselves that which we don't feel, and that is the great depth of our sin. This is, it's, it's a beautiful, somewhat terrifying insight uh, that the Scriptures bring to us. That our sinful, that our fall is so profound and so deep that we do not feel the full weight of our sin. It's, it's like, um, it's like leprosy, this, this image that the, that the ancients would always use to describe sin. One of the problems of leprosy is you become so sick that you can't, you can't feel your limbs, your finger, your ear, your nose falls off and you don't even know it because, um, because you just can't, you can't feel it. So we're so broken that we don't feel our brokenness. But when we encounter the, and engage in the scriptures, the Lord is showing us our sin, even those sins that we don't feel. 
uh, that don't touch us uh, in the conscience uh, or don't cause us to this subjective guilt. You had mentioned earlier the fruit of repentance. Before we go into this break, explain what that is as opposed... You said it's distinct from or distinguished from repentance itself. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's. I mean, this is so nice and basic and, and really helpfully simple is that re- repentance is contrition, sorrow over sin, and faith, trust in the gospel. And the result of that repentance, the the fruit of it, is a life of love and service to the neighbor. It's good works. Uh, it's sanctification, third use of the law stuff. And that's what grows out of repentance. It's important for us not to confuse uh, repentance with the fu- fruit of repentance, but it's also important for us to to not forget that repentance produces fruit and that uh, th- that faith alone which justifies is as Luther likes to say never alone but is always accompanied with love for the neighbor uh, and uh, trust in God Pastor Brian Wolfmiller is our guest it's part eight of our series on Christian devotion today we're talking about daily repentance and we'll talk more about it on the other side of the break especially as it impinges on the Christian conscience one of Pastor Wolfmiller's favorite subjects stay tuned ¿Cómo pueden ustedes preparar a sus hijos a vivir en un mundo contra cristiano donde la persecución crece más y más? Lean la edición de mayo de The Lutheran Witness para aprender sobre la enseñanza de la fe, que pertenece principalmente no al pastor, sino que a los padres. Visitan a cph.org slash trylutheranwitness para una oferta especial. Seis ediciones digitales o empresas para seis dólares y noventa nueve centavos. The Lutheran Witness, interpretando a un mundo contemporáneo desde una perspectiva cristiana. The 500th anniversary of the Reformation approaches. A good time to ask, who are we as confessional Lutherans? What's our heritage? The Confessional Lutherans for Christ Commission has produced the Layman's Guide to Theological History. Go to the CLCC.org and see which of these presentations and books would be most helpful to you and your fellow parishioners. And consider becoming a member with us as the CLCC seeks to help more people know what it means to be a confessional Lutheran. The CLCC.org. Throughout the 50 days of Easter, sacred music for the world. LutheranPublicRadio.org. Listen 24-7 to sacred music for the Easter season. LPR, LutheranPublicRadio.org Emily finally had to face the truth. Her church choir was a mess. Katie Schuerman from her new audiobook, House of Living Stones. Sure, they'd managed to turn out a few decent choral offerings for Sunday worship every now and then, but their confidence and morale were presently hanging lower than pants on a wrapper. You can purchase and download an audio version of the novel House of Living Stones at Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. House of Living Stones by Katie Schuerman. For sinners only. You're listening to Issues Etc. 
This is Pastor Tyler Arnold at Christ Lutheran in Platte Woods, Kansas City, Missouri. We are privileged to serve our Lord in word and sacrament through the historic liturgies of the church. Do join us for divine service at 8 and 1045 and adult Bible study and Sunday school at 930. Each Wednesday evening, we have Vespers at 7 p.m. Our address is 6700 Northwest 72nd Street or call us at 816-741-0483. You can find us on the web at ChristLC.net. Come and be our guest at and with Christ. Metro East Lutheran High School in Edwardsville, Illinois, engages young adults in a Christ-centered environment, delivering academic excellence and spiritual growth to develop Christian leaders for tomorrow. We provide a Christ-focused alternative to public high schools. Many of our students receive tuition assistance. To help us provide tuition assistance to more students, go to melhs.org and click on the giving page. Or call me, Dr. J. Krause, Principal, at 618 618- Six five six zero zero four three. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Pastor Brian Wolfmiller is our guest. It's our series on Christian devotion today, Daily Repentance. He's pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado, co-host of a weekly radio talk show called Table Talk Radio and author of the new resource, the Devotional Challenge book. He's also going to be leading a group to Germany for this 500th anniversary of the Reformation this fall. Brian, tell us about it. We planned a trip for June, which got filled up, and, and so many people wanted to come that crazy. We're going to try to do one also in September. So Frankfurt to Prague, leaving September 18th, coming back St. Michael's Day, September 29th uh, from Prague. Uh, great. We put together a really custom itinerary. And it should be great. So we're going to pray and sing and consider Luther and his doctrine all the way through uh, all the Luther lands. If it's on a Luther tour, it's on our tour. So if anyone's interested, uh, it's about 2400 bucks, uh, which includes all the ground stuff. So if anyone's interested, I got a link on the blog, wolfmuller.co, and people can, can find it there. And uh, we'll keep you in the loop if you want to come. It should be great. You can find out more about Pastor Wolf Miller's Germany Reformation Tour September 18th through the 29th under the Listen On Demand page at issuesetc.org. So we before the break, we discussed both repentance and the fruit of repentance. Let's put it into the daily devotion. What are you actually talking about? I mean, when you said the prayers, you gave us prayers. When you talked about the Psalms, you gave us Psalms and Scripture readings. What are you talking about when it comes to actual daily repentance in Christian devotion? Well, I think... so. One of the key insights that uh, that Luther gives us when reading the scriptures is that the the Holy Spirit is active in the scriptures, and the activity of the Holy Spirit is through the law to first show us our sin, to rebuke us, to put us to death, uh, and then second in the gospel to bring us new life in Christ, to forgive our sins, to set us up before the Lord, judge to be holy and righteous. Jesus says, I'll send you the comforter, the paraclete, and he will convince the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Sin because they haven't believed in me. Righteousness because I go to the Father, so the Holy Spirit's doing that preaching. And judgment because the the ruler of this world has been judged. So this work of the Holy Spirit is is brought to us uh, through the scriptures. The, 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 The scriptures are the sword of the Spirit. That, that is what the Word of God is. So when we, when we open the Scriptures to read law and gospel, this is not simply a mental exercise. Uh, it's not only an intellectual thing. It ought to be an intellectual thing. We want to engage the mind. But what we realize when we are engaged with the text is that the Holy Spirit is working on us to grant us repentance, 
That's the goal of the whole thing. That's what the, that's what the Holy Spirit is aiming at. So when we open the scriptures and we hear the word of the law, we realize that the Holy Spirit is pushing us towards contrition. And when we open up the scriptures and read the word of the gospel, we see that the Holy Spirit is creating in us, engendering in us faith. Is born of the absolution, born of the promise of the gospel. So, so, so we want to have that expectation. I remember, and and this is a, a kind of a, one of these key sort of things to think about that that the questions that we're asking of the scripture are going to inform what we're what we're getting out of it. I, I remember in the evangelical days that when I would open up my my Bible for my devotions, I I would be asking the question, "What is this teaching me to do today?" That's just that's the only question I could ask. Now, it's not a bad question. It's a question that we should ask, but it can't be the only question, because if that's the only question I'm asking of the text, what should I do today? Then the only thing I'm going to see in the text, the only answer I'm going to get is instruction. It's the law, command. And 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 I could see that when I went back through my old Bible, I could see the text that I would mark and underline and put stars by were the texts of instruction, and the promises were just left blank there. So when we go to the text, we want to ask, what, what is this commanding me to do today? That's good. How is this showing me my sin? That's also good. But how is this, like Paul says in, in Romans 15.4, how is this delivering me comfort? How is this giving me hope? How, how is this text forgiving my sins? And when we're answering those two questions, how, how does this show me my own sin? What I failed to do in service to God and the neighbor? And how does this show me Christ, what he's done for me? Now the Holy Spirit is doing what he intends to do with the Scripture, granting me repentance. You tie this into, and as it ought to be, and as it is in Luther's small catechism, you tie this into baptism. How? Yeah, that's right. Uh, Luther asks, what does such baptism signify? And he goes straight to Romans 6. Um, here's how Luther says it. Uh, what does such baptism with water indicate? It indicates that the old Adam and us should by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die with all sins and evil desires, and that a new man should daily emerge and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. So this pattern of daily death and resurrection, which is repentance, is the mark of the baptized. There, uh, Tertullian, the church father, talked about this. This is I don't, you know, I read through Tertullian expecting all these great insights. This is kind of a rare thing there, but he, this is a nice one. He says that we, uh, we Christians are like little fish that follow our big fish, our big ichthus, Jesus. And the devil knows how to get after the fish. He takes them out of the water. Now, that's, this is the picture is that the, that the way that the devil is coming to us to tempt us is to scoop us away from baptism, is to pull us away from the promises of God, is to kind of somehow dry us off. So we're not living as the baptized children of God, but we're living in ourselves or whatever. We're living for the flesh or chasing after our own idols and gods and all this kind of thing. But our, but the Christian life is the opposite of that, that we we are daily living in our baptism. So we wake up and we bless ourselves with the sign of the cross in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, knowing that we are the baptized. We go to bed making the sign of the cross in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, knowing that we are the baptized and that we live in this life, we live in this world as the baptized of the Lord. And that means we are daily dying our flesh, putting to death the flesh, and daily rising it to newness of life. All right, then... That's kind of the baptismal context. Um, how do you suggest in a practical sense 
you actually have in, in your devotional resource, you have the penitential psalms as kind of the focus of this week's exercise in devotion. Yeah, that's a good place to start. So, um, you know, some texts lead themselves to repentance more than others, although I think the better we get at reading the scriptures, the the more the whole mess is pushing us towards repentance. Uh, every pastor should be should be showing us how to read the scriptures in this way in their sermon, because their sermon is nothing more than applying this the appointed gospel text for the purpose of repentance. Uh, but I suggest the the reading of the of what's called the seven penitential psalms. I heard a rumor or a, a legend, I, I, and I I kind of hope this is true. I don't I don't know if it is, but that Saint Augustine, when he was dying, uh, had these seven penitential psalms uh, written out on big sheets of paper and hung on the walls of his bedroom when he when he was dying, and that's a beautiful sort of thing, so that he could read them. And, and practice repentance. Uh, so, so Psalm 6, for example, begins, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, or discipline me in your wrath. I mean, these psalms really shape up repentance. The same thing with the other six, Psalm 32, Psalm 38, uh, Psalm 51, Psalm 102, Psalm 130, and Psalm 143. Uh, that's the seven penitential psalms, and all of them um, shape up uh shape up a, a repentant prayer, what it looks like to to, to be contrite uh, in our sin and to trust in the Lord's mercy. When someone is uh, walking through one of these penitential psalms and they get to the end of it, I guess the basic question is, have have they re- repented? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it's hard to say. I, th- I think you could say, um, I think repentance could be said in a passive way in Greek. They, they, you, but we have to say you've been repented, which I don't think is actually grammatically correct. But you could say in Hebrew, repent me, O Lord. Turn me, O Lord, is how we say it. Turn me and I will be turned. Repent me and I will be repented. It sounds, in fact, it's just wrong to say in English. You probably shouldn't say it, but it's hard to get get to the point. But that's exactly what happens. I mean, when the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit, uh, points the the preaching of the law at our heart, the result is repentance. And when the Holy Spirit pours his promises into our heart in the preaching of the gospel, the result is faith. And that is repentance, the Lord's doing. This, this is so important because, because we have the tendency to think that repentance is because it's commanded in the scripture, because the, the preaching of the prophets and the apostles and the preaching of Jesus himself is repent, we think that because it's a command, it's something that we are to do. But repentance is impossible apart from the work of the Holy Spirit and the Lord's Word. It's not something that we are capable of in, in, the, in the strength of our own will. It must be something that the Lord works through the words. So repent us, O Lord, and we will be repented. When, you ta- when we take up these words, these prayers of repentance, the Holy Spirit is doing that work. And, and then talk again about the fruit of repentance. Someone is going to say, well, where does that fit? Is it properly part of that Christian devotion? Well, I mean, one of the things that's nice to remember is that um, before we have faith in God, half of the commandments are impossible even to start, and none of them are possible even to make any headway on. But apart from faith, for example, you can't pray. I mean, how can you pray to the God that you don't believe in? Or how can you pray to the God who you think is mad at you? 
Apart from faith, you can't trust in God. Apart from faith, you can't suffer quietly relying on the Lord's mercy. Apart from faith, you can't die in the Lord's kindness. Apart from faith, you can't give up your own life in service to your enemy. So that there's all sorts of commands that are given to us in the Ten Commandments that are not even possible if we don't have faith. So this sometimes we talk about the third use of the law, and I think this is one of the important aspects of it, is that there has to be part of the law that only becomes available uh, after we believe. It's like a room that's locked and you can't get into unless you've, you've been given the gift of repentance. So all of the commandments of the first table, to, to love and fear and trust in God, to, to call upon the Lord's name in, in, in pray, prayer and praise and, and to give thanks, to, to delight in the hearing of his word, the third commandment, none of these things are even possible to imagine apart from repentance and faith. So when faith comes along, what happens is uh, uh, the, the Ten Commandments uh, open themselves up. The other thing that happens uh, w- when we repent and when we trust in the Lord is that now our good works can truly be directed towards service to the neighbor. Apart from faith in Christ, all of our good works are in one way or another um, done for the service of manipulation. Either we're trying to manipulate God into liking us uh, with our good works and trying to get into heaven by being good people, or we're, we're manipulating our neighbor by our good works, trying to get something out of them. But when the Lord comes and gives us the gift of Christ— completely forgives our sins, gives to us the gift of his imputed righteousness, and opens up heaven for us completely completely apart from our works or our deeds or our doings or anything else like this. When he just, when he just pours out all of his blessings upon us and loves us with, a, with such a boundless and unconditional love, then we are, in fact, set free to love our neighbor and to love God without any strings attached. We're not trying to manipulate God into letting us get into heaven. We know we're going to go there. We're not trying to manipulate our neighbor to get something out of them. We have everything that we need in Christ. So repentance sets us free to begin to love and serve and die for our neighbor, to, to love the Lord and to delight in his gifts. So, so the good works that mark the Christian life are rightly understood as fruits of repentance because there's no other way to get to them. When we think of good works, we most often think of works in done for the second table, you know, uh, uh, works of chastity or generosity or of compassion, you know, fifth commandment, sixth commandment, seventh commandment, eighth commandment works. But when the Lutheran fathers love to talk about the life of the Christian, it's works according to the first commandment, that we're willing to receive from the Lord all sorts of suffering and illnesses and, and, and trouble in this life without complaining that we pray trusting that the Lord will hear our prayers and answer them, that we die in the faith. These are the good works that are opened up to us by God's gift of faith. Pastor Brian Wolf Miller is our guest. Another 10 minutes with him on the other side of the break. As we continue our series on Christian devotion today, Daily Repentance, we'll get to that issue of the conscience and how it is, how it is uh, dealt with by God's Word in daily devotion after this.
Have you been too busy to get your associate's, bachelor's, or master's degree? Concordia University, Wisconsin offers 50 online educational options. Find out more at issuesetc.org. Click the Concordia University online logo and enter the program code ISSUES to waive your application fee. Concordia University, Wisconsin is here to strengthen and support the church. Lifelong Lutheran Learning. Issuesetc.org and click Concordia University, Wisconsin online. Daily worship, historical hymnody, and catechesis interwoven with direct instruction in phonics, traditional math, literature, grammar, history, Latin, and strings. It's part of our daily life at St. Paul Lutheran School in Hamill, Illinois, the only classical Lutheran school in greater St. Louis. We're located one mile off Interstate 55. For more information, visit school.stpaulhamill.org. We would love to share our joy in learning with your child. School.stpaulhamill.org. Daily exercise for the Christian mind. You're listening to Issues Etc. Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by joining the Issues Etc. 300. The Lutheran Church of the Good Shepherd in Greenville, South Carolina. St. Paul Lutheran, Chatfield, Minnesota, St. John Lutheran, Napoleon, Ohio, First Lutheran, Lufkin, Texas, Concordia Lutheran, Sykeston, Missouri, Hope Lutheran, Granite City, Illinois, Trinity Lutheran, Gladson, Alabama, and Lord of Life Lutheran, Chesterfield, Missouri. Find out how your church can support this worldwide outreach by including issues, etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Just go to our website, issuesetc.org, click support, and print a one-page flyer. When your congregation joins the Issues Etc. 300, we'll advertise your congregation on the radio, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Issuesetc.org. Click support. The Issues Etc. 300. We're talking about Christian devotion, an ongoing series with Pastor Brian Wolfmiller. He's going to be speaking at the Winter 2017 Making the Case Conference. The Making the Case Conferences are the premier conferences for Christian laity. you find a list of speakers and topics at issuesetc.org, or you can call 618-223-8385. The Summer Making the Case Conference, June 9th and 10th in Collinsville, Illinois, and the Winter Conference, November 10th and 11th in Houston, Texas. Pastor Wolf Miller, I know one of your favorite topics is Christian conscience. Tie it together what we've been saying here about uh, daily devotion in Christian devotion, or daily repentance in Christian devotion, with a couple minutes here. Sure. The conscience is the location. The the, the conscience is that internal place, that courtroom in our heart that that makes judgments about our own deeds and the things that are happening around us. And it's, you know, most people think of the conscience as a moral guide. This is how most theologies and ethics look at the conscience. But that's only the first part. It's like the um, the conscience is built for contrition, but we understand rightly that the conscience is built for contrition and for faith. So that it's in the conscience that we hear the preaching of the law, the the verdict of our own guilt. But even more, it's in the conscience that we hear the preaching of the, of the absolution, of the imputed righteousness of Christ. Luther says, this is brilliant, he says, the conscience is a small room, there's only room for one, and that one should be not Moses, and not the devil, certainly, but rather Jesus, who stands there as our good shepherd and says, I came not into the world not to condemn the world, 
but that the world might be saved through me. Jesus stands in the conscience and says, I declare you righteous, holy, innocent of all sins. I love you and delight in you. You are no longer my servants, uh, but my friends, my compatriots, and I'm your brother. Flesh of your flesh and bone of your bone died and raised so that you might be with me forever. Wherever I am there, you will be also. This is the preaching that's heard in the conscience. And when the conscience is echoing with this law and gospel, this is the Lord's gift of repentance, which is our Christian life, and it is our Christian joy that we know that we know that the Lord is not destroying us like we, he should, but he's saving us and rescuing us and bringing us to eternal life in the resurrection with him completely out of his mercy, and the conscience delights in that gift of repentance. Uh, uh, it lives in that gift of repentance until the Lord brings us to, to the fullness of that repentance when we see him face to face. With only 30 seconds, it is vital, though, that we not simply have our little repentance in our private devotion, talk about the need with 30 seconds, to get yourself to church and hear that absolution. Yeah, this is the, these are the same things, but these words, it is very hard to preach to yourself. This is why Jesus sends you a preacher. How can you believe unless you have heard? How can they hear unless they've, they, uh, unless they've been preached to? How can they preach unless they're sent? So that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, and that chiefly is accomplished when you listen to the preacher that Jesus has sent to you. He, he gives you the gift of repentance through your pastor and through his word, and we rejoice in that, and our daily devotions are an echo of that gift. Pastor Brian Wolf Miller is our guest. He's pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. He's host of a week, weekly radio talk show called Table Talk Radio and author of the new resource, the devotional challenge book. Pastor Wolf Miller, thank you very much for being our guest. You got it. In Hour 2 of Issues Etc., we're going to conclude a series we've been doing, a long series we've been doing with Dr. Alvin Schmidt, author of the book Hallmarks of Lutheran Identity. We've walked through so many of them, but there's kind of a potpourri at the end, some hallmarks that are particular to the Lutheran Reformation. We'll find out what they are right after this. Stay tuned for Hour 2 of Issues Etc. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., PO Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc., is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. The Christian faith is a gift of God's grace. The Christian life is a gift of God's grace. We live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. Pastor Peter Bender talking about his presentation at this summer's Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference. And that means that our Lutheran piety is also a gift. All too often we see it as another work of the law, something that we must do. Instead, Christ meets us there with his word and spirit, and in our daily devotional life he teaches us what it is to live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. You can meet and hear Pastor Peter Bender making the case for Lutheran piety Friday, June 9th and Saturday, June 10th at the Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference in Collinsville, Illinois. 
For more information, visit issuesetc.org or call 618-223-8385. The Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference.